and welcome to another edition of the Bet Sports Beat podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we look back at Iowa State's 37-30 victory over then number 18 Oklahoma and look ahead to this Saturday's game against Texas Tech at Jack Trice Stadium. And joining me on this edition of the podcast is Cyclone Fanatic football beat writer Rob Gray. Rob, great to talk with you. How are you? Great to chat with you, Josh. I'm doing well and hope you are as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, things are going well here and, um, you know, just trying to uh, do do what I can to stay safe as we know uh, as we know everybody else is. But uh, so 37-30 win for Iowa State over number 18 Oklahoma um, was historic in more ways than one uh, in terms of this victory. Uh, it was Iowa State's first home win over Oklahoma since 1960. It improved Iowa State to 11-1 in the month of October since 2017, the most wins of any FBS team in that span, and moved Iowa State to 2-0 to start Big 12 play for the first time since 2002. You you were at that game, Rob, covering that game uh, last Saturday night. Just what stuck out to you? looking back at that game last Saturday, and then, perhaps more importantly, looking forward, how big of a, of a momentum builder could that win be for Iowa State going into this weekend's game against Texas Tech? Yeah, well, um, the win was not particularly surprising except for some of those elements you talked about. It's so rare. Um I talked to a couple of gentlemen that were at that 1960 game for an article for Cyclone Fanatic, and it was fun hearing their perspectives. But, you know, yeah, as you said, the first one since November 5th, 1960, 10-6 win. Um, and before that, they lost 20, uh, they hadn't beat Oklahoma since 1931. Um, obviously, we know what they did in 2017 with Kyle Kemp, the surprise starting quarterback, when Jacob Perth took leave and eventually was just gone. Uh, from the Cyclones program, as improbable as it was, Kyle Kemp had noticed in meaningful snaps uh, at the college level, the FBS level anyway, and, and carrying Cyclones along with Alan Lazard and others to a victory there in Norman, and almost getting it done last year. So, so what strikes me is how the Cyclones have even the playing field. I mean, when you go back, their best seasons uh, in terms of record, 2009 1-2 it's still a, a year they just didn't belong in the same field as Oklahoma. As good as they were, they got blown out. I think they got blown out one other game, too. Um, but this doesn't happen anymore. Iowa State's brought their talent level up to the point where it's not an absolute mismatch when you're playing the quote-unquote elite teams. Now, of course, Oklahoma hadn't lost back-to-back games in conference since the late 90s, and the Cyclones were able to get them that. Um, so really just the physicality. I mean, still a lot of mistakes, nine penalties. The seniors had nine penalties too. Um, you know, eight turnover, but seconds were able to get a key turnover as well. Um, and as Chris Campbell said after the game, far from a perfect game. And in fact, he stressed that. He really tried to, you know, play down the win in a sense because it's one win and, and what they hope is a, is a good run in the conference season after a, a disappointing started in the loss to uh, the Raging Cajuns uh, from Louisiana, uh, Lafayette. 
So uh, getting down 17 to 6 started to make me think, okay, Oklahoma's figured something out. And the Cyclones were able to punch back. I think the ability of the offensive line to gel, even without one of its best players, Trevor Downing, who knows when he'll be back, um, was huge. And then Brees Hall making the plays that he made. Just the fact that Brock Purdy's thrown so few passes in the last two games tells you that that offensive line is doing and what Brees Hall brings to the table as I think the Big 12 is leading back. Um, So... it, it, it felt kind of strange, and that's just because the crowd was capped at 15, and I think it ended up being 13 and almost 14,000 people there. But um, just a satisfying win, and nothing to where people would go absolutely crazy about it, which is, you know, a huge indicator of the, 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 the success that's been bred under Coach Campbell. Now, in terms of momentum, I mean, obviously, there's no tangible entity momentum, but if you play any you talk to anybody who's played the game or coached the game, they'll tell you it exists and uh, you can feed off it. I think the Cyclones will tell you their momentum is going to come based on how they tackled practice this week, starting on Monday. And um, hopefully they've, they've uh, done what Coach Campbell wants uh, and uh, are well set up to take on a Texas Tech team that I think is starting to develop an identity under, uh, under Coach uh, Matt Wells where – yeah, they blew the game, lost in overtime to Texas, and they were down big. Kansas State came back a little bit, and then the Wildcats won by 10. I think they're a team that's, that's going to be explosive offensively, a lot of holes defensively, but also some athletes on that defense. And if the Cyclones really want to win and not have it be a real uh, nerve-wracking game, they better, um, they better take care of the football and uh, do all those little things that Campbell said. Just they're, they're not up to par with those yet. Um, and that's both a good thing, I guess, and somewhat of a concerning thing if they're two and zero in the league. And you mentioned there a bit of a a bit of a quiet game from Brock Purdy in the passing department. And as you mentioned, uh, Brock hasn't thrown a lot of passes really in the in the last uh, in the last couple of games. Uh, not not just if we look at um, this past Saturday against Oklahoma. Um, 12 of 24, 254 yards and a touchdown. Um, so to, to your point, a, a bit of a quiet game from Brock in terms of passes attempt passes attempted. But what, what but one thing I want to ask you about Rob, it occurs to me having watched and covered every Iowa State game so far this season from home. and I, and I wanted to ask you about this. Brock Purdy, this season to me, appears to be a little bit more mobile in terms of it, it looks like he's a bit more comfortable. Would maybe be the best way to put it, running the football. Just I, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean he doesn't he hasn't done it as much, but I think and I think Coach Campbell said after last season that Brock was really not. I mean, there's a reason he didn't run the football much last year. And they really, unfortunately, needed him to throw big, big, a lot and, uh, and get big numbers. Um, but he's definitely got those moves back. Uh, he's had one of his fake scrambles for a first down. And I still think they're trying to use it sparingly because one of the reasons he was so banged up last year is he was such a runner in 2018. And they needed that, too. I think what's a great credit to Brock Purdy is he does what the team needs. 
And even with that low number of passes and only conceding 50%, and I wrote this in my game story, just pops off the page, 21.7 yards, I believe, per completion. So he was explosive. You know, we've seen efficient Brock Purdy in the past. We've seen explosive Brock Purdy. We've seen dual threat Brock Purdy on display constantly, like in his breakout rookie season. And we see it being done very selectively so far this season. So I think there's a maturation process here. And and credit to Brock Purdy in doing what is asked of him. And I think in the opener was really... um, you know, it was really discombobulated a little bit and, and really unlike him, and, and he kind of closed last season not, not, with a couple of not great games. Uh, got on track a bit against ECU, and again, not, not the big number of passes and completions against the Sooners, but that eye-popping, um, you know, 21.7 yards per completion is huge. And, and getting Charlie Kohler back too close to full health anyway was obviously a, 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 a massive... Um, development for the Cyclones against the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, he, when, when he wasn't catching passes, and he, he's often referred to as Brockford security blanket, um, you know, Oklahoma's shorter corners and safeties weren't able to, you know, he, they were going to interfere with him. So they drew a lot of flags that way, too. So huge weapon back, helps Brock be more comfortable. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's definitely got uh, got that uh, got that component of his game back, even though they haven't showcased it the same way they did it a few years ago. I hadn't planned to ask you about uh, Charlie Kohler, uh, but in in my conversation last week with uh, our friend and colleague Travis Hines of the Des Moines Register and Ames Tribune, I asked Travis a question uh, just regarding Charlie Kohler and and how it seems like when Charlie Kohler is on the field compared to when Charlie Kohler is on the sideline, the offense just appears to be in a better flow when Charlie Kohler is on the field. I'm just curious, Rob, your thoughts on if that's something that you see as well, covering this team game in and game out, and and what is the biggest key for the Iowa State offense, if it what what is the biggest key for Iowa State's offense, and for that to flow better with Charlie Kohler on the field? Well, as I mentioned, I mean he's been a security blanket for Purdy. I mean they they have stats on the website from last season how many of his catches were successful third down conversions, and I think when he the first season in twenty eighteen when he connected with Purdy so often. It was touchdowns. Like I think three of his first four receptions were touchdowns. So he's just a clutch performer. You know, he's been. A, I believe a, you know one service at least named him All American before, and um, he's, he's he's a mismatch. And coaches, opposing coaches have talked about that. I mean, he's more athletic than people think. He's not a tall, plodding uh, tight end. He, he played wide receiver in the past, and it shows. He's got more wheels than people think, and his route running are really good. Um, so. Yeah, the flow is going to be a ton better. We saw it even in the TCU game when he was back. Uh, just like four, maybe short receptions. But that, I think, really loosened things up a little bit to help Brees Hall get going in the running game. And he's, of course, had two big second halves in the last two games, the two big 12 wins over TCU and Oklahoma. And that's saying something that, that uh, there's just a, 
there's a greater confidence, I think, with him out on the field. But I think it's a short shrift to, to that guy like Dylan Sainer, who's not a big pass catcher, but he's so integral to the to the running game and pass protection. As one of the other tight ends, Chase Allen had some big catches last week as well. Tight end room is, is just really loaded at Iowa State, and obviously Kohler's the, the dull cow there, and he puts up all their numbers. But uh, they all play kind of a critical role in that offense, especially if this offensive line continues to develop. Um, you know, really, I think they're ahead of ahead of schedule. And we, we've talked about an, another strong game for Brees Hall against Oklahoma, 28 carries, 149 yards, and two touchdowns. And it's been well documented, and, and we've discussed that right now, this is a this is a bit of a banged-up Iowa State offensive line. But d- despite, despite being down Trevor Downing, Brees continues to put up strong numbers. What's the biggest key to that in your mind, Rob? And and where where do you think Brees' biggest biggest step forward has been if you look back at last season compared to this season? Yeah, I think I mean Brees is a little bit more of a patient runner, but he was uncannily patient, I thought, last year as a true freshman as well. Just a little bit more seasoning. Um, I think he's getting more room to run, too. When he's hitting a hole, there's actually a hole. You know, I mean, people like to compare him to David Montgomery, of course, now with the Bears playing, you know, Thursday Night Football here, uh, you know, that big. Montgomery was a singular talent for the Cyclones, but he had to do a lot on his own. That offensive line is still, you know, getting into that serviceable level, maybe. Um, we saw, yes, he does a lot on his own, but it's not to get to turn a, a two-yard loss into a three-yard gain. It's to turn a, a lot of times a two-yard gain into a 10, 12, 15-yard gain or, or a break, a breakaway type of play. So um, I really think the offensive line, I really think having the tight ends healthy is huge because they are all very good blockers. Um, and, yeah, Brees Hall, um, in terms of the next step, I mean, He's shown in the past, last season, maybe not quite as much this season. He can be a real weapon in the passing game, especially on little wheel routes or screens and things like that, get his speed gone. Um, I think the next step for him, he started to, started to show this year. Uh, he picked up a blitz beautifully, I believe, in the Oklahoma game. So his blocking ability, uh, you know, with pass protection is, 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 I think, improved. So... He's, right now, he's pretty close to the full package, and he put the ball on the ground early in the season. Coach Campbell highlighted that, and it just can't happen. I mean, David Montgomery arguably almost didn't fumble his Iowa State career, you know, put asterisks there um, for that one. Um, but, uh, you know, that's maybe, maybe the one thing, enhanced ball security, but it's not like it's a, it's a, it's a constant issue. Right now, I think Brees Hall is establishing himself, <coughs> excuse me, as an elite running back, and, and that's saying something out of state, you know, with the, you know, again, leading the Big 12 in rushing and, and doing what Coach Campbell and, and offense coordinator Tom Manning want to do. They want to be a team that can physically dominate, and that means running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and hitting on big plays in the passing game without having to force it. And uh, that's what we're seeing lately, and uh, we'll see if that trend continues. 
you mentioned big plays in the passing game. One of those, there's a couple big plays that uh, come to mind um, looking back at Saturday's game against Oklahoma. Um, the the tight end to tight end pass, uh, Dylan Sainer, uh, with the touchdown pass, or no, not a touchdown pass, but the j- just the the tight end pass from Sainer to Charlie Kohler. Um, that one stands out just for the bit of a trickeration factor that that one was. And then uh, Xavier Hutchinson gets his first career touchdown pass uh, on a 65-yard touchdown pass from on a 65-yard touchdown pass from Brock Purdy. Three catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown for Xavier Hutchinson against Oklahoma. The junior college transfer seems to be playing better every game, and it appears to be getting more comfortable within the offense. Is that as simple, Rob, as just the game slowing down for him in your mind, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think I think he put a lot of pressure on himself in week one. Uh, coming in, the highly touted Zuko transfer, as you said, um, he needs his whole package. He's 6'3". He's, he's got speed to burn. Um, good route runner. Good player. I think uh, a guy who loves to play football, which is very important to Campbell. Uh, obviously, important to everyone, but Campbell talks about it all the time. How much that's kind of first and foremost when he's thinking about recruiting people. Um and yeah, he had a few drops there, and then just wasn't really seemed like in a little bit of a funk. And I think that might have been a little bit of nerves. It might have been, wow, I'm going to come here and make a huge impact, and um, you know, got a little got a little hopped up. Um, but yeah, he's he's that type of play waiting to happen. And again, a, a great play call there because Oklahoma was bringing their safeties up and run support a lot, and, and they recognized that. And I think Brock Purdy had a run pass option on that play. And he saw what it was getting safety was creeping up, so you get Xavier ex Xavier Hutchinson and the man coverage across the middle of the field and he won the battle and was off to the races. So that's exactly what they need for this offense to continue to, you know, at least be reasonably explosive and put up the type of points you have to to win a lot of big twelve football games. Have a have that type of receiver. Got guys who augment that too, Joe Skates. Showing some big play capability, Landon Akers, the senior from um, Cedar Rapids, he's made some plays. Uh, it's downfield, so I mean, Hutchinson's obviously the, the front and center guy there, and so it's important to get him going as that wide receiver one. But uh, they've got some interesting pieces there that uh, can that can mix in and, and, and really help uh, the game get on the offensive side ball diversified for the Cyclones. And per- perhaps the biggest play of the game against Oklahoma that uh, that we haven't talked about yet is the game-sealing interception by Ashim Young. Uh, seven tackles, one pass breakup, and then the interception. Um, uh, Ashim Young seems to be uh, off to a strong start this season and obviously had the key play in the victory against Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was a, a, a top talent. Um, had a, had a, I believe that in high school had a bit of a, um, a, had, a, a, a had a legal issue. I mean, he was um, all the top schools were recruiting him, and, and Iowa State really stuck with him. And 
his story, I think, will be told at some point. But uh, it's been a, a, not a long, but it's certainly a winding path to the Cyclones. And he's an incredible athlete. Chris Campbell said he's been nothing but an asset at the program in every way. As a player and a person. And, yeah, he saw exactly what's going to happen. I mean, he stayed home, got to the right spot. And uh, Greg Eisworth, I know Oklahoma was, was claiming he got held a little bit. The, the receiver got held a little bit. Maybe there was a little bit along the way there. But as people would certainly point out, uh, Charlie Kohler got grabbed a few times uh, uh, when the Cyclones were nearly uh, getting a win at Norman last season on the last play going for two. But sometimes that's just football. And um, Young was there. Takeaways have been so hard to come by for the Cyclones defense, as good as the defense has been. It's just huge to get that, uh, to feel that win. And yes, yeah, he has made a huge impact. And even though our Azuna, who's been in the program a while, I want to give credit to him as well. He made some important plays in that game as well. But Young is the frontliner. And then um, obviously the. <laughs> the corners played reasonably well too, as always. And uh, but Young is the type of guy that could be. I mean, I think the sky's the limit in terms of uh, in terms of his ceiling. The the Iowa State offense has gotten a lot of attention and and a lot of stories written, and deservedly so. When you have players like Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, Chase Allen, just to name a few. That said, not just in the win against Oklahoma, but this Iowa State defense is off to a strong start so far this season, holding their first three opponents to three and a half or fewer yards per rush, uh, holding their first three opponents under 120 yards rushing as a team in each of those first three games, and tallying seven or more tackles for loss in each of the three games this season. And this is a this is a defense as as you know and Cyclone fans are well aware, Rob, with a lot of experience experience names and names and retur- and returnees, Mike Rose, Lawrence White, Greg Eisworth, Orion Vance, Eni Uazarike, and that's just naming a few of the returnees. But this defense, yes, there's a group, uh, a solid core of returnees, but. Uh, there, there's a lot of players, you know, gaining their first, their first large amount of experience this season. Just your thoughts on this defense as a whole and what they've been able to do in the first three games. Well, the defense, which you know was clearly ahead of uh, the offense in terms of helping Campbell mold Iowa State into a winning program. Uh, it's been, you know, John Haycock's uh, defenses have been at the top or near the top of the Big 12 in both scoring defense and, and total defense and, and a lot of more uh, perhaps um, yeah, advanced metrics. Uh, you look at the points, obviously it's given up, what, 31, 34, 30? Well, remember the 31 in the first game, 14 of that was on special teams. And the, the, the last seven was when the defense was so gassed, they just kind of couldn't stop uh, the raging Cajuns as they went down the field. TCU, a lot of passing. Um, you know, but Max Duggan, great, great performance by him to keep throwing frogs in it um, there in, in Fort Worth. But the defense, again, uh, very solid. I mean, I would say front seven I, has to be the best in the Big 12. When you look at a guy like Jaquan Bailey, who's been utterly dominant at times, 
we can get Will McDonald in there. And, and a lot of times for just big pass rush situations, he's recording sack after sack. And even when they're playing coverage late in the game against Oklahoma, um, and you got Wazarike has just moved, moved inside and, and just really been a disruptor in both the run and the pass. And, he, and then, you know, you've got other guys, Isaiah Lee, and then you go on the, and off on the other end. Zach Peterson started in place of Bailey last season is a very, very solid performer. And then you mentioned Ryan Vance, Mike Rose, Jake Hummel, first time as a full-time starter. That front seven is loaded. And then Greg Eisworth, an all-big 12 type player, um, and is Sheen Young. And they're deep. That's the biggest thing. And that's what I think shows the most. Again, I need to force more turnovers here and there. I mean, people joke that... Iowa State might lead the Big 12 or, or the country and dropped interceptions. Sometimes that's a fluky thing. <clears throat> but they're in the right place. And that's a credit to Coach Haycock and everyone on the defensive staff. Also credit to those players, as you said, Josh. A lot of them have great experience, including a pretty good experience at that corner in Anthony Johnson, Davon Kyle, and uh, Detroit Young. But notice also those corners. A lot of times when teams are getting big pass plays, which have happened a few times against the Cyclones, including in the opener, um, that's when they get safeties and coverage. And Greg Eisworth's a great athlete, but he doesn't. there's a reason he's a safety. He just doesn't quite have the speed that an Anthony Johnson does. Uh, so I think top, from the front end of the back end, that defense is, is truly you no know, defense, and I, I think it'll only get better as the season goes. Again, another big test in Texas Tech is certainly putting up points and yards and, and kind of leading with the running game. So it'll be an interesting uh, dynamic there to see if that Cyclone front seven can continue to, uh, to pretty much stuff, team, uh, stuff the Red Raiders uh, in, in, in that aspect. Uh, as you mentioned there a moment ago, Texas Tech uh, comes to Jack Trice Stadium on Saturday afternoon, uh, 2.30 kickoff on ABC. Uh, Texas Tech off to a one and two start overall, zero uh, and two in the Big Twelve. Uh, what are some things um, that you've seen um, in preparing for Texas Tech on Saturday? Uh, where where might be some of the biggest challenges for Iowa State against Tech, against Texas Tech? And if Iowa State is to come away with a win on Saturday, uh, what's what's a couple, two or three keys uh, for Iowa State if they look to improve to 3-0 and in Big 12 play? Well, they, they, they can't turn the ball over. They've got to clean up. Um, I'll start with the, the back end of that. Uh, got to clean up the penalties a little bit. Um, and they, they can't allow Tech to establish the run because Tech wants to do that. And, and Tech, in a lot of ways, is sort of, they play a little bit like Campbell's first-year team in the second half of the season, where they showed market improvement from week to week, um, did a lot of good things. And, you know, certain aspects of the team were becoming really good, but they still had a hard time breaking out with victories. Um, I, I think... Again, Wells has the Red Raiders going in the right direction. They're still very porous defensively. Have to be able to attack them. I think you'll be able to, to, to get Brees Hall going in the run game. Maybe they work a little bit more run pass option with, um, with Purdy in there as well. But, I mean, Tech doesn't have anything for Charlie Kohler either. And if Hutchinson can get some separation and then some of those supporting receivers who do all have a lot of talent too from 
John Shaw to, to, to Acres to Jess Gates. And, you know, Darren Wolf's had a big reception a couple weeks back. I mean, again, diversity is the key on that offense, and I think the Cyclones will definitely be able to score unless they turn the ball over or shoot themselves in the foot, which, in fairness, has happened a fair amount in recent years. Um, the issue is, I think, st- again, stopping Tech from establishing the run because that's what allows the Red Raiders to really set up then some big plays in the pass game. I think that plays right into Iowa State's strength, frankly, with that front seven. But I also think Tech is much better than that record indicates. I mean, the one game they won, they could have lost to Eastern Baptist. Now, that's an opener. Weird stuff happens. They had Texas beat. That's, that would have been impressive. They really came back nicely on Kansas State after playing very poorly early on in that game. So this is a team that is hungry. It's a team that has weapons. And it's a team that you just you can't you have to out execute them. And if the Cyclones do that, I think they can I don't know, I think the spread is almost touchdowns, thirteen, fourteen points at this point. I don't think the the Cyclones aren't great as in terms of blowing teams out with a few notable exceptions. So I think it's a game that's while not uh I think the Cyclones have it fairly well in hand, fairly comfortably. Uh, but uh, again, can't make those mistakes. Can't can't make mistakes that are that that, that, that are totally on you. And if they if they're able to, to play clean and to execute the game plan correctly, um, I'm, I'm seeing about a, you know maybe a ten point win. 